We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on Money presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Paloma with me here today. It's Thursday, January the 19th. We appreciate you making us a part of your week and uh, very much. We'll get uh, into the show. Janet Yellen has said some interesting things. There are some interesting stories in the Wall Street Journal involving uh, defaults and uh, the national debt and things of that nature that people like me don't completely understand, but we know it's not not good. So we'll talk to Martin about what it means and um, what people need to be thinking about as you hear those kinds of uh, those kinds of stories. Uh, first, I'll tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people what's going on at Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you guys. Yeah, man. Um, we are, man, we've had a really busy January um, with uh, with folks, with client meetings, uh, with really people uh, kind of want to make sure they're on track planning-wise. Uh, I think a lot of folks got their December statements uh, you know, and we hoped that Santa Claus was going to give us the gift in December. Uh, and he, Santa Claus, uh, forgot to deliver our presents, uh, in the U S uh, he did deliver them outside of the U S though. Cause, uh, non U S stocks did, uh, did really, really well. But anyway, all joking aside, you know, one of the things that, uh, that help folks make sure they stay on track and not get knee jerk reactions is to, you know, have a plan in place. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like, man, it's no different than traveling. If you've never been somewhere before, uh, most people don't just get in their car and just start driving and hope uh, that they arrive. I mean, you might arrive, you might not. Uh, most people probably sit down 
and at least put in the coordinates for their GPS. Um, you know, old school folks might use MapQuest and, you know, and map that out. Do you remember MapQuest, man? I do. I can't believe how, yeah. uh, how savage we were to, to, to print those things off and hoping that our co-pilot could give us, you know, good instructions when we were going somewhere. We had no idea where we were going. Uh, I, can, but, I, I can remember books of maps. Like, yeah. Rand McNally's dude. I had them in my Jeep. I mean, shoot, I traveled a lot of the Southeast <laughs> using books when I was 18. Um, but anyway, man, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of a good analogy actually. Uh, you know, the old school way of doing things was, uh, you know, was just kind of grabbing a book and trying to map it out along the way. You know, the beautiful thing about technology and our planning tools that we use is we can really use a, you know, a real-time GPS where, you know, the old school maps, you might use a map, but it's not going to tell you whether you've got congestion or a road is closed or you need to detour to avoid danger. Uh, you know, the tools that we have now uh, can kind of do some forecasting of saying, hey, you know, uh, the journey that you're on is not going to be a direct shot. You got to, we got to detour to avoid this, this pit, this hole. And, um, and that's kind of what we do with our clients, man. It's kind of using the GPS, uh, the GPS version of, of mapping versus the old school book or print your map quest and, uh, and rock and roll. So, you know, this is the time of year when people are, are looking at, you know, uh, looking at their portfolio, looking at their plans. Um, you know, generally the first quarter for us every year is, is kind of doing that. So, uh, you know, for the next several months, that's, we're going to be meeting with folks, making sure we're on track, you know, we're, we're managing the investment piece behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, we don't have to ask, uh, the quote unquote permission to, uh, to manage the funds for our clients. And we just, we do the best thing uh, we can for them and try to avoid as minimum, uh, minimum down, down scenarios and, and maximize our upside. But, uh, and I, I guess I say if, if you've got the old school map or the map quest in your hands and, and, uh, and you'd like a little bit more real time, you know, if you'd like to use Waze or Apple maps, uh, give us a call 601-957-0323. Uh, we'll see if it's a good fit for you or if it's a good fit for even us too and uh and if we can be of service uh we'd love to help also you can email us info at my p-i-n-n wealth.com all right you were telling me about um janet yellen she says the treasury reading from believe it or not in this case cnbc people okay go, cool oh. i mean people I'm... say you're you're a right winger i'm like okay well, i'm reading from cnbc um, but no, that's possible. Uh, uh is, is CNBC considered left, even though um, it's more financial news than I don't know that it, it's just uh, that anything with NBC next to it, I think, is is going to lean somewhat, somewhat okay. to the left at this point. Uh, the Treasury Department started taking extraordinary measures to pay federal government bills as the U.S. hit its debt limit Thursday. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said. Yellen is pushing Congress to pass a bill to lift the country's $31.4 trillion trillion The Treasury Department started taking so-called extraordinary measures. Uh, in a letter addressed to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Yellen said the Treasury will suspend new investments in the Civil Service Retirement and Disability Fund and the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefits Fund from Thursday 
until June 5th, 2023. But she warned both moves are subject to, quote, considerable uncertainty, end quote, if Congress does not pass a bill to increase the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling. She told lawmakers Friday that she believes the extraordinary steps could allow the government to pay its obligations until early June. Yellen last week urged Congress to, quote, act in a timely manner to increase or suspend the debt limit, end quote, as failing to do so could lead to a first ever default on U.S. debt and cause economic damage around the world. Uh, I'll, I'll ask for your thoughts before I ask a question that I have that pops up from this. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, some of that is a little sensationalized. Um, and let's uh, before before we and I'll explain why. But before I want to define a term that, uh, you know, that you said as well. And, and so that everyone kind of knows what we're talking about. So, you know, when you hear the word default, I think the the, the average person immediately thinks that a default means that you can't make your payments or you're not going to make any payments or, uh, you know, essentially you're going to go bankrupt. Uh, when I first got into the, you know, to this industry and I would hear the word default immediately, that's what I thought. Uh, defaults very much can simply be, or simply are uh, a payment that's not made on time. So, you know, with, and, and there's defaults that do happen you know, with bonds, it doesn't mean that the, that investors don't get their money. It may mean that they just don't get it, you know, on the day it's supposed to be paid. It could be paid the next day, uh, the day after, you know, in China, a couple of years ago, there was a really big, um, a real estate company that I think was, I can't, if I remember correctly, it was like Chinese owned, uh, it collapsed and they defaulted on their bond or on their interest payments. And they, they made their interest payment. They just made it a couple of days late. But what it does is it does kind of shake the confidence that someone has that that entity is going to be able to continue paying, um, you know, those those interest payments uh, going forward, which is a very reasonable, um, a reasonable thing. But with the U.S., essentially, we kind of have unlimited ability to tax, um, you know, our our citizens and, you know, and raise money to be able to pay our debts through taxation or other things like that. Now, I'm not saying that's what I want to happen by any stretch of the imagination. So assuming that, uh, you know, our debt ceiling doesn't get lifted, which essentially is the maximum amount of money that you can borrow. So if it's me and you, like most banks are going to look at us and kind of assign us a quote unquote debt ceiling, right? They're going to say, sure. Hey, you know, uh, you can Neil borrow, makes, you can borrow up to yeah. $100,000 or you can 100%. borrow up yeah, to like when you're buying a house, right? Right. Yeah. You know, you get pre-qualified and they're like, Hey man, you're right. You can borrow up to, you know, you can buy a house up to $200,000. That, that is your debt ceiling just mm -hmm. based on the cash flows that you have. The, un, the big difference is, uh, you know, generally, you know, people, normal humans, uh, can't go out and be like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to make more. I need to make more money this month. So I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to tell my employer that they're just going to pay me more this month. That doesn't happen. But with the government, by the, the way, government let me, let me, inter let me interject here real quick. Cause I think this is interesting. Uh, yeah. the U S government has not defaulted on its debt, but the debt ceiling has been raised 22 times in the period from 1997 to 2022. So this isn't, you're right. This, the headlines kind of sensational 
On the other hand, you're like, yeah, this happens a lot. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. It does. And I think the last time it happened was 2021, um, where we had a, you know, where we had to address it, you know, and there have been times, I think it was in the, I'm going to call it the 2018, 2019 range where, and I want to say it was kind of the end of the year of 18. I may be wrong. Uh, I'm totally going off of memory where uh, we had a partial government shutdown and, you know, the budget had not been approved or ratified through, you know, the both houses. And so, um, you know, there were federal employees that didn't go to, well, a lot of them probably went to work, but they didn't get paid, you know, to go to work because, you know, their budget had not been approved. So this is something that does happen, um, you know, pretty regularly. The only, the only deal is it's usually when you have gridlock in the chambers where you kind of see this because, you know, when, when both chambers are Democrat um, or Republican, they generally get what they want. Uh, but it's when there's, you know, when there's the gridlock there, uh, they have to negotiate these things out. And I mean, and honestly, I think that's, that's good for our country when we're talking about things, you know, and the Republicans are probably saying, Hey, uh, you know, if you want to raise the debt ceiling, that's cool, but you got to cut your spending, you know, in a couple of areas. And the Democrats are probably saying, well, we don't want to cut our spending. You know, we promised, uh, you know, the, the little children's village in Jackson, Mississippi, we were going to give them, you know, a brand new amusement park. And they say, I don't think that that's necessary. So, you know, why don't we not give them an amusement park? We can pay their bills and give them food, but we're not going to spend money on an amusement park. And then they come to some, and now, and I mean, obviously that's a very drastic made up circumstance, but those are the kind of the things that happen. They say, Hey, you know, you got to give, you got to give us something for us to give in and, you know, and allow you to raise the debt ceiling. And if I'm a gambling man, I'm going to, I'm going to gamble that this thing is going to get resolved, but it creates uncertainty during the time period. And what happens to markets during times of uncertainty, man, it goes crazy. They get volatile. Yeah. It get volatile. Yeah. You're man. Those were the perfect words. It gets volatile. And that's kind of what's happening right now is there's just uncertainty. The United States runs a budget deficit, which means it does not take in enough money through taxes and other revenue to fund its yeah. operations, which means maybe you should cut back on some of the operations. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, as a result, yeah. the country sells treasury debt to yep. finance its operations using Correct. borrowed money to fund military salaries, retiree benefits, and interest payments to bondholders who own U.S. debt. That's how yeah. this all kind of works. Well, dude, and kind of let's, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to go knee deep into the water on that very specific topic too, because, um, so, you know, the government, the, the government uses us treasury bonds to be able to, you know, finance that debt. And you kind of think about since really 2009, you know, minus there's been a couple of years where interest rates have gone up, but since 2009, our interest rates have been at essentially zero. So it's really easy for the government to say, Hey, let's issue debt when the interest rate that we have to pay it back at is, you know, is zero or 0 0.5. You know, it's like you can issue all the debt in the world that you want to, because your, your debt service levels are just not that heavy from an interest carrying standpoint. Well, 
you know, kind of fast forward to this year where on the short term, um, you know, short term bonds have risen, you know, really to a, a really uh, elevated interest rate where, you know, a three month treasury is going to pay you north of four and a half percent. A six month treasury is going to pay you, you know, 4.8 ish or something like that. And then, you know, but the longer term stuff like the 10 year treasury bond. So the, the government would have that debt for 10 years is paying at 3.3. So you get, you pay higher interest rate on short-term money uh, and lower interest rates on the longer term. Really what the government wants to do is issue those longer term there. It's in their best interest to issue those longer term bonds right now, but they have to issue the short terms to um, pay bills. Here's my big question. Look, this is a country that I'm, I'm right now. I'm helping my son as he gets started with AP U.S. history. Okay, it's a big test today. I hope he does well. Probably taking it here in just a little bit. Good luck, Carson. They're building up to the American Revolution right now, starting to talk about how the people that lived in the colonies at the time were technically Englishmen, if you will, but they'd never been to England. They had their own cultures, their own whatever. And at some point they started saying, we kind of have our own thing here. King is taxing the hell out of us to pay for all the wars they're fighting over there. Yeah. Maybe we ought to strike out on our own. You know the rest of that, Yorktown, the whole deal. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, And if you've we, seen Hamilton, you can probably sing all the way through it. Yeah, so here we are 250 some odd years later. Very young country. We've grown massively and we have this massive amount of debt. Young, scrappy, and hungry. Young, scrappy, and hungry, but we're not hungry anymore. We're fat. <laughs> yes. We have uh we have opened our borders. We have had three incredibly volatile years now. And yes. there are there are people out there that say that the moment that we default on debt and that we're really close to it is the moment that the country begins to die. Is that too dramatic? I think that is. Okay. I think it is. Um, what, what happens, what happens if just play along, if yep. we end up defaulting on debt that we, we owe all this money, we can't pay it. And someone says, all right, well, we're done. Yep. We're done raising your debt limit. We're done increasing yeah. your credit card limit. Nope. We yeah. want you to, you need to pay down for a while. Yeah. Now we've got to move into a, a period of kind of like fiscal austerity, right? The, yeah, Greece had to do it in to that, 2010. Because if, if, if the answer to that is, well, we're going to raise taxes on those yep. who are paying taxes. Yeah. We're going to have a revolt in this country. Yeah. Well, and, and, and truth be told is that is, uh, that is the, that is the answer is, it's we're we're not we're 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 really not at a risk of not being able to pay our bills. Um, the we, it's just like if you came to me, Neil, and you said, "I'm just making numbers up here. I'm not saying this is your real numbers." Okay. If you came to me and you said, "Hey, Martin, I man, I got a problem. I I, I just can't seem to to you know get my budget to work, and I don't know what's going on." And, uh, you know, and I just, I'm, I make good money, but I run, I'm running out of money before the end of the month. 
and I'm having to go borrow, you know, money to, uh, to, to make ends meet at the end of the month. Okay. And I'm like, all right, Neil, let's, 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 let's look at this. And I say, Neil, let's, uh, you know, show me your income and I'm just making numbers up and I'm gonna make round numbers so that I can do public math and not embarrass myself. Okay. I'm probably okay. still going to embarrass myself doing public math, but just for our listeners, like I have no sheets of paper or pencil or anything in front of me. So I'm, this is all verbal, verbally going out. So Neil makes a, you know, let's say Neil makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so that's kind of roughly, you know, $8,000 a month that is, uh, that's coming in. Right. And then let's just pretend for easy math that, uh, you're, you know, you're taxed at 25%. So of that 8,000, 25% goes to taxes. So Neil has $6,000 left at the end of the month, right? As my operating capital. Okay. Or at the beginning of the month. Yeah. That's what you have to live off of. Okay. And then, uh, we start looking through, you know, your, your, your stuff. And let's just say I'm making stuff up. We got 6,000 left to work with. Let's just say your house note is $2,000 just so that gets me down to, I've got four left, right? Okay. Sure. And then let's say that you have, you know, a thousand dollars a month worth of car payments. Okay. So that gets us down to three, to three right? Yep. And you got kids in college. Um, let's just say that you spend another, you know, thousand dollars a month for college related expenses for kids or kids related stuff. So now we're down to two, right? And then let's just say you pay all of your bills, you know, like your uh, utilities and your cell phone and gas and internet and, you know, sell all, all that stuff. Let's just for easy math, say it's another thousand dollars. So we're at a thousand dollars, you know, leftover, right. And you've kind of paid all of your bills at this point. But then we kind of look through in your credit card bill every month or your spending. Let's say we look at, you know, your restaurant spending and you're spending $2,000 a month, you know, eating out. And so we look at it and we go, all right, well, Neil, you don't, you don't have a cash flow problem. You have a spending problem. Mm -hmm. We just need to come you know, back on spending. Yeah. We're not going to eat. We're not going to spend $2,000 in the restaurants, you know, every month we're going to you know, you bought groceries for the house and your, you know, all of your, and your thousand dollars that we spend and, you know, utilities and, and living expenses, let's eat at the house. And then once, you know, the kids are out of college, you've got another thousand dollars in your budget, uh, you know, that you can allocate towards nicer things in life. Or, you know, if you get your cars paid off, uh, it's another thousand dollars. So it's not that you have a cash flow problem. You just have a spending problem. And our government doesn't have a cash flow problem because ultimately the government could cut costs that are, you know, wasted, or they could increase their income by raising our taxes. So it's, we're not at, at risk of, you know, like quote unquote bankruptcy where there's no way that the U S government would be able to make their payments going forward. Everything needs to be restructured um, you know, we're not anywhere close to any type of risk like that. We just have a spending problem and, and it's not new, man. I mean, I'm, I know I'm not, this is not, you know, a, a revelation that you didn't know, or people didn't know. We, we know we have a spending problem, but we just 
refuse to address it. And, you know, it seems like our politicians, uh, you know, their goal, their goal is to get reelected. Yep. And if you, you start know, cutting things, you run the risk of losing votes. And if you correct. lose votes, you don't get reelected. And so we have this vicious cycle. It's correct. one of the reasons that people like me are in such are such advocates for term limits. For term limits. Absolutely, man. I mean, that is the solution to this problem. And I don't because understand. There, there, there is a solution to the American problem. And it's not, hey, the 48% of you that are paying taxes, we're going to soak your asses some more. That, that, that ain't it. That ain't it. There's an answer. We got too many people sitting at home, not working. That's, that's the problem. Got too many people sitting at home, collect. We're paying for them to sit at home. Now, I'm not talking about the disabled. I'm not talking about veterans who came home with their legs blown off. We should support them and their pay for their kids to go to college, the whole deal. I'm talking about the 30-something-year-old woman or man who... Hanging out at mom's house. Hanging out. But, boy, they can go to the grocery store and then get in the scooter and roll up and down and pile up Doritos in the in the thing. I mean, at some point, and I know, I know this is this is absolutely unpopular. At some point, Darwin was on to something. <laughs> and so you, you just gotta acknowledge that. Well, I, I look, man, I mean, you're you're not I mean, we live in a society right now. I mean, this is this is, is part, this, but... is, this is part of our problem right now. Hold on one second. Part of our problem right now, well, is that we is, is that we are doing we're doing Martin, we're doing this thing. Where the other day they came out and the, the 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 federal like food and drug administration whatever it was came out and said Department of Health, you know, these obese children we should be looking into surgery. No, we should be looking into programs Cut that get out of the house. Yep. We should be looking into programs that that educate the truth about consumption, about what it is that you're eating. We should be coming up with with different. They should be exercising. There's a reason, and it's not it, it's not genetic. There's a reason that kids today are so much more obese than they were 50 years ago. It's the food. It's the lack of activity. It's it's that's what it is. But that that attitude, I think, carries over into our country's fiscal operations. Yeah, but well, because we're we're not disciplined you know, fiscally as a country either. And, and, and you're right. Like our children look minor, minor at fault here too. Uh, of course my son just learned a, a very hard lesson about discipline. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh, and what it takes to, you know, to, to succeed. Uh, and, and you're right. It's a, it's a, we do have a discipline issue and some of it is because it's a instant, grat- we have become an instant gratification society. Uh, and, and, and man, I'm just as guilty as, as many other parents about, um, you know, a, about enabling some of the instant gratification. Uh, and, you know, and, and I know that like when you and I were growing up, there were video games and stuff like that, but, uh, there wasn't a community online of gamers. So like I would, I could play video games with some of my buddies for just a little bit. And then I was ready to, to go do something else. And we spent all of our time outside, Yep. you know, running around, we played, we called it stick ball. It was essentially baseball, but we played it in the streets and we had like, you know, we would have a baseball bat and a tennis ball. Uh, you know, and dude, we just did, we did, swam in creeks like idiots uh you know we played outside and then my kids you know my big kids did have a taste of that um you know when when they were younger in the neighborhood uh they had their neighborhood friends and they would do stuff but they played a lot of video games and then uh my youngest daughter man she is uh her best friend lives like four or five houses down from us and they will play roadblocks or roadblocks roadblocks not roadblocks wow i just aged myself uh they play roadblocks with each other you know she's at her house she is at our house they facetime each other and play on the computer play games and you know and i'll say that's my fault man that's uh well it's everybody's fault i mean it is what it is and that's what kids do and i mean i don't want to derail the whole thing my point is that that's a symptom that's a a a part of kind of what we are we yeah. a lazy society well and we're a quick fix yes i mean the answer for we a 13, are the answer for a 13 year old obese kid is not lap belt surgery no the answer or is diet, the answer is diet and exercise Correct. But diet and exercise when you tell someone that now they say well you're fat shaming no i'm not i'm just telling you as a former fat guy you can lose weight yeah there's it's not it's not easy no, it sucks, it, dude. And it, and it sucks. I mean, like it, it, it sucks. Like, you know, if, if, if you go into something and you go, I'm going to lose like today, for example, for me, I'm not using me as an example. I'm not saying I'm virtuous. I'm not saying it's the right way to do it, but I am saying I am someone who has lost weight and has been able to keep it off for the most part. 
And I, I'm, I'm disciplined about it. Like I'm, I'm podcasting today until four o'clock. I have a window yeah. from four until seven on days that I run. I don't eat anything before I run. So I will go run hungry at four o'clock. Now, is that healthy? I don't know. My point is, is I'm not going to wait today on a day when I'm going to be sitting here all day. And you, you don't have to go get in the car and go get a burger and fries at lunch every day. There yep. is an alternative. You can take 10 extra minutes and you can uh, prepack your lunch that you take to work. There are things yep. that you can do. And, and from a financial perspective, from our country standpoint, there does come a time when I do think we have to look at some of our programs and things and go, that's outdated. We don't need to be doing that right now. It's, Hey, do we really need to be sending $40 billion to or whatever it is to Ukraine? Is it possible that maybe we should kind of lock down the borders a little bit? Maybe we should, we, we don't need to be taking so many people in. Maybe we should enforce the process We're we're everything is so political that we've lost common sense. Well, and, and, and we've become big brother to, to everybody in need, um, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm, I guess try to steer this back to, you know, where we started with, was how does this impact people's investments and their portfolios and, yes. and, uh, you know, and, you know, we saw, we kind of saw what happens in real time, you know, back in 2010, and, and, and a lot of people may remember, and, and some of our listeners may not remember, or they may have just not been paying attention at the time, but, uh, you know, Greece was kind of one of the first countries to really flop. Um, and, and they call, and they had to move into, you know, a fiscal austerity mode, which was, they had to cut their spending. Uh, their country was not going to survive on the way that they were, you know, the way that they were moving. And then there was a little bit of contagion that kind of spread through Europe from it. And it was, uh, the acronym was pigs. Uh, it was, uh, Portugal, Italy, uh, Greece and Spain. And I think I'm in Ireland. So it was two, I think it was two eyes, Portugal, Italy, Ireland, Greece, Spain. Um, you know, the contagion kind of spread to, and they kind of had to get their, you know, to use the, uh, a term in the parlance of our time, I guess they had to get their fiscal shit together. Um, and we are definitely not anywhere close to a Greece standpoint of, um, you know, where we've got to take these drastic austerity measures and, you know, cut out pensions for folks who earn them, you know, through their lifetime by working, you know, as a civil servant or, uh, you know, for the government. But, you know, we can't just spend like there's, you know, like there's no limits. And that's kind of what we've done for since really since 2020, man, is we, we took the simple fix, you know, we took the, the, the pill instead of, you know, instead of counting calories and, or we had the surgery instead of counting calories yep. and tracking our calories and exercising, um, you know, we just pumped money, you know, into the markets and, uh, you know, and, and, and we were even talking about this during COVID is at some point, you know, the piper's going to have to get paid. And we were, we were really good as a society, really good as a society at kicking that can even further down the road into the next generation. But at some point, um, you know, someone is, someone in our government is going to have to say, we can't kick this can, you know, any further. Um, and we just need to start, 
you know, trimming our costs. Just like, man, if me and you ran our budget at a deficit each year, at some point the bank is going to tell us, look, dude, yep. we're not lending you any more money. That's it. You can't service that level of debt. And I think, and then that's, our where choices... people, I think that's where people get frustrated right there. You just nailed it. I mean, individually, if let's say I make, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use just flat numbers. Yeah. Say I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yep. If I spend one fifty one year, yep. And I'm still making a hundred thousand dollars. Well, now I've got fifty thousand dollars of debt. Yep. Now, if I turn around that next year and tighten my belt and lower the debt to twenty thousand dollars and then get it, I mean, everybody's cool. But if I the next year make another hundred thousand dollars and I spend another one seventy, well, now I'm $120,000 in debt. Yep. If I do that over and over at some point, probably about that point, someone's coming to me going, Hey, you can't pay your mortgage. You've got to get out of your house. You yeah. can't do this. You got, I mean that, and that's, that's tough and it sucks. But from a government standpoint, I think people like me don't understand why we're doing this because eventually, and here's the part, eventually the debt the, the the bill is going to come due. Yep. And if that's 70 years from now, well, guess who's paying for it? I don't want my grandchildren to be paying for, for our mistakes. Yeah. 70 years from now. Well, I don't, and you, I don't, I don't think that's right. And I, I, I don't know why there aren't more people who feel that way. Yeah. And there is so many people that are like, just print more money. What difference does it make? They, well, dude, they, and, they don't understand. And you can even, it's, it's almost crazy. You can make this a social experiment and look at the generations, right? Cause like, listen, and we'll just start with the, you know, the greatest generation, you know, those guys were, you know, off, uh, in between, uh, what great depression and world war two, um, you know, didn't really believe in borrowing money. Uh, if you didn't have cash, then you couldn't afford it. Uh, and, and, and there really wasn't the ability like there is today to just go out and leverage things up and, and borrow money. If you, if you didn't have the cash to pay for it, you just, you didn't buy it. And then, you know, the boomer generation kind of came in with, uh, you know, the baby boomers and a lot of that was, you know, post-World War, World War II, um, you know, econ economy was being stimulated, uh, you know, hardworking folks uh, that, you know, and really it was kind of, the first generation to uh, really have what two parents in the household, you know, working too. So there was kind of this, there was this accumulation of wealth that started building even in the middle class. And then, you know, the Gen X, which is, you know, I, I'm on the tail end of the Gen X generation or the front end of the millennials. I don't know. I kind of fall into both, but um, you know, Gen X kind of had that first, uh, the first experience of, well, one, there was a little bit of independence, right? Because you get home, get off the bus, go to the house, you know, mom's at work, dad's at work, kind of start taking care of yourself. Um, and, you know, and, but, but we had nicer things and that was the middle class was really kind of emerged. Um, you know, people had TVs in their house, they got to travel, uh, and, you know, and then the millennials came along, which I'll put myself in that generation too where it's like, we just had an expectation of that's what life was supposed to look like. And, you know, we could leverage up and use credit cards and, uh, and, you know, it just became a normal, 
uh, process of, of life. And then at the tail end of, uh, you know, my high school years, everything went digital. Uh, and, yep. you know, generations kind of changed. Things just got easier. Uh, and it was easy to kick things down the road. So it's like you can almost look at the generations. And I'm not trying to be an old man here, but you can look at the generations and go, well, it makes sense why we haven't had a balanced budget since the 90s, right? Because in the 90s, uh, you know, who was running the country? Well, it was kind of the tail end of the, of the, um, you know, the greatest generation and and a lot of the boomers that were making, you know, making having to balance budgets and make things work for the first time. And now we we got Gen X is squarely in the middle of running the country uh, with a little bit of the millennials sprinkled sprinkled in, and millennials are our first uh, generation of the instant gratification, you know, and technology did that for us. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, it's just kind of fascinating to watch uh, you, you know, again, I, I don't really, I worry about it on my end just because I know what's coming if, but I do. The, one of the great things about our, our cycles here is that here we are in 23, we're a year away from the full court press on the, on a, presidential election which means that anything that anybody does is going to be be a little careful you yeah you pop taxes on people now um oh yeah no that is if i was a gambling man i would say that ain't happening i would say that's not (laughs) happening and then you know we'll see what happens in 24 but what i worry about more than that is man what happens what happens generations from now there's never any because there's never any conversation about how we got to cut spending yeah. It never happens. It never happens. And when the Democrats have control, that never happens. And when the Republicans have control, they're scared of it. And so it never happens. And it's the obvious answer uh, on so many levels. Um, all right. Let me ask you a couple other things while we got you, because we're not going to have a show next week. Um, right, so right. Yeah, I'm out of town. Touch on a couple of things. Um, U.S. stocks extend losses you touched on this this is uh stock market today u.s indexes open lower down dow down about 200 points yeah. um stocks are retreating on thursday with stocks on pace for more losses after falling yesterday is this just all the uncertainty coming to bear yeah i think this is a lot of uncertainty and then you know and then i think you know people are really kind of reading into the fed really really hard of what is the Fed going to do, and a lot of that, uh, and I'll, I'll, I've, I've said it many times on the, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I'll say it again. Uh, I think the Fed is going to raise rates at least two more times. Um, you know, I know we've said we, you know, it's either going to be a, a fifty basis points, which is half a percent, or, uh, you know, or twenty five basis points, you know, at a quarter percent. I am. If I was a gambling man, I'm almost all in on that. It's going to be 25 basis points in February, uh, probably another 25 in March. I think we get a pause after that. And, you know, and there's just the uncertainty around the Fed for, uh, you know, what, what their next steps are going to be. And, and, and if you're, if you're a, and, and a stock investor, uh, it's healthy to look at, you know, what, uh, what the Fed is going to do now. I don't think it's healthy to trade around you know what the fed is or isn't going to do i would rather wait until i have a little bit of certainty from the fed before i start putting more risk into my portfolio and that's what we're doing here and 
you know, and that's kind of with our clients. I say, I'm not going to trade the news, but what I am going to do is when, you know, we see a trend that we know is going to be there, uh, we position the portfolio for that trend, whether it's a protection or whether it's, you know, a trend of accretion where we're going to ride, you know, the markets up. Uh, we did that with bonds last year. We did it with stocks in 2020 when, uh, you know, when they got hammered in February, March. And we think, I mean, I just think that you're really getting compensated right now in short term, you know, like even money markets are starting to rise, you know, institutional money markets, you know, you can make around 4% uh, through your advisors, institutional money market funds, you know, those are very short term and they can change drastically on a dime. Um, you know, short-term bonds, you're really getting compensated to uh, hold those, you know, three and six month treasuries, you're going to get, you know, 4.8% on the, on the top end. And I just don't know, you know, with stocks right now, there are certain areas of the market where I think you can invest and get value out of it, but you still, there's still a little bit of, of risk potential out there for stocks to go down in this first half. And, you know, as we see earnings kind of come out, which is what we talked about last time, as the earnings kind of come out over the first quarter, uh, we're going to have a little bit better picture of where we think we are in the shape, you know, the in the economy shape. And um, I think we'll be somewhere in between a quote-unquote hard landing and soft landing uh, with, with, with the economy. Uh, I think the next second half of the year is going to be better than the first half. But, man, if you held a gun to my head and said, which, Neil, you kind of did hold a gun to my head uh, <laughs> the other morning, and you're like, you know, uh, we had someone ask, where would you put your money if you had yep. cash right now? Yep. And I would tell with confidence, I would say you, if you have to invest it right now, which I mean, I think you should, you shouldn't leave it just earning nothing, put it in a three month or six month treasury. Your wait time is not that long. Um, and so, you know, it's, you earn 4.8% while you wait and there's almost no risk in that until you kind of see things flush out. Cause what I would, what I would hate to tell someone to do is, you know, Hey, um, take this hundred thousand dollars and invest it into, uh, you know, long-term growth stocks. Now that's a great idea if you can hang on to it long-term, right? Because you're buying really cheap, uh, on the growth stocks, but you might see another, you know, you could see another 10% down. And then I, and then at that point I would say, dang, I wish we would have put it into short-term treasuries and then bought, you know, more at down 10%. Or let me play devil's advocate. Let's say that we earn our 4.8% on the 10-year treasury. I mean, the three or six-month treasury. And then, you know, three, six months down the road, things have kind of leveled out. We have a lot better picture of what the road forward is going to look like. There is certainty. And even if the stock has gone up 5% from there, then, uh, you know, you didn't, you still made 5% in the short-term bonds, but you didn't have the potential for that downside. So, you know, I just, it's hard for me right now to, to get short-term on the, on the stock train. We're neutral weight stocks in our portfolios, uh, overweight short-term bonds. And you're just getting paid to kind of sit on the sideline, uh, there. And I think that, you know, I think that that's the prudent thing to do. Looking for something I just had up that was really interesting. It's a fascinating thing about how um, 
about how the 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 the, uh, the economy works. Like the part you don't you don't even think about stuff like this. Here's a this is Ryan December writes this in the Wall Street Journal. The good news for plumbers, painters, sawmills, and hardware stores. A key measure of remodeling activity predicts that American homeowners will spend a record $485 billion this year on renovations and repairs. The bad news? The sum represents a sharp deceleration in spending in a sector that surged during the pandemic, helping to lift the economy from lockdown and heralding the supply chain problems and, and broad inflation ahead. Uh, this is uh, Harvard University's Joint Center for Housing Studies forecast 2.6% growth excluding what is spent by house flippers and landlords. In 2022, year-over-year -year spending rose 16.3%. The figure rose 12% in 2021 and 10.6% the year before that when the pandemic began. In other words, uh, this is higher interest rates are behind the slowdown. So even if you think about stuff like that, like, you know, how much money are people putting into their existing homes? If it, if that's going down because people are scared of interest rates and and that that there's a the trickle down part of, of the economy is always fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, and look, man, I think uh you know we had uh we kind of had inflation run away because there was so much cash chasing excuse me, so much cash chasing so many things in the economy. Uh and then, you know, the 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 uh the opposite action or reaction to that to be able to slow it down is to have less cash chasing those things in the economy and those prices will come down because the demand is not there um you know and higher interest rates do that because then it becomes the you know people who are responsible and and budget say you know we really can't afford uh our interest payments to go up by you know double uh, for, you know, for this thing. So we just wait to do it. If it's not a, an emergency, uh, you know, we wait until we either have the cash or, or interest rates come down. Yeah. And it's where I think people get a little concerned with like some of the, and look, it's, it's super far-fetched and it's way out there, even though the white house has given it lip service, but like the, the whole gas stove thing, you know, the induction stoves instead and, and the, the natural gas. Well, like, we have it in our house and I must be going to die. So all right. some of the stuff that we do again, I think that's what, and I know I'm not the only person that feels this way. Cause I hear a lot of other people say it is you just, you're waiting for common sense to kick in on so many of these things. I think it's because the common sense would, would I think stabilize, but we're just not, we're not there as a society right now, for whatever reason, common sense is just kind of taboo. Yeah. Well, uh, if we could, if you and I could create a shot that gave everybody common sense and we ran around and injected people with it, we would be, well, you know, I would, you know, I might, I, that might be a benevolent gift to the world. I wouldn't even care about making money. It would just make my life so much better. Oh, I, I would almost do it for free. If I could just get everyone to, okay, so here's the deal. Here's the, here's the equation. Fix it. Just get it right. Be so simple. And it wouldn't have to be, it wouldn't be cruel. It just be honest. Yeah. Just I mean, be honest. I'm uh, I would be, I would be happy with everyone having a little bit of common sense. Yeah. Just, 
or a lot of common sense. At this point, Neil, I'll take even, I'll just take that. Everyone has a little bit. I won't be greedy. I won't be a lot of common sense would be wonderful. But if everyone has a little, I'm okay with that. You got anything else before we bolt? Man, I, uh, I don't, um, I am interested very, very selfishly. You guys, you know, I'm a, and I think our listeners probably picked up on now. I'm a, I'm a Disney nut. We're, we're huge Disney fans at the house. Um, you know, and Bob Iger has stepped back into that role as CEO of the Disney companies. And man, he is, um, I kind of think about like leadership. Uh, and this is just my little diatribe that I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just, cause I can, I'll say it. You know, I kind of look at like Southwest during December uh-huh. and the stuff they had. And uh, I think the CEO there's, you know, he's trying to lick his wounds and probably been really smart of him to come out and say, Hey, we screwed up. We're going to make everything right immediately, you know, come out and say that. And that's eventually what he said. But, you know, Iger took back over for uh, Disney that was kind of falling apart. And man, I've seen pictures of him in the park, like in the parks, you know, talking to people, um, talking to guests, talking to cast members. And, uh, you know, and I'm kind of like, man, should I load the boat on Disney? Uh, you know, kind of like, cause Disney's been pretty beat up pretty bad. Um, so I have these, you know, these little things that I think about all the time. And, and I'll say that's to our listeners. Like if you see companies that you really love doing things different, you know, it doesn't hurt. Don't put more than, I wouldn't say put more than five, 10% of your portfolio in any one company. But, um, you know, if you have a lot of conviction about something, just like we did with energy companies, the, during 2020, um, you know, you can, you can load the boat there. And by load the boat, I mean a 5% position in a single position of, uh, of the, in your portfolio. So that's, uh, that's my two cents for as we close and, and we move on to another topic next week. All right. So we'll be back uh, in two weeks. Martin's be off next week. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition of mind on my money presented by pinnacle. Again, thanks to all of you for making us a part of your week. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Don't forget, two weeks, I should say, uh, mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. I know a lot of you have reached out to Martin. Uh, those of you who are thinking about it, it's easy to do. Just get in touch with them, and you guys can have a conversation. Go from there. Mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, take care. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.